Canes in action tonight. We're getting dangerously close to the start of the playoffs. That also means we're getting very, very close to our 10K playoff payout. Here's how it's going to work. Starting Monday, listen to us here on The Fan. For your chance to see the storm surge in person, again, it's the 10K playoff payout. Here's how it's going to work. Five lucky callers will join us at, a, at Invisalign Arena for a chance to win playoff tickets. That happens by opening up a box and hopefully discovering the golden puck. Ooh. And then as a bonus, everyone's going to take a one-timer for a shot of up to $10,000. So listen for the 10K playoff payout driven by Carolina Ford dealers. Built Ford Tough. Learn more at buyfordnow.com. That's going to start up next week. We're going to take the contestants next week. And then at the end of that week, it's off to Invisalign. That's We're going to get you dope. on some skate. We're going to get you on some skates. Listen, I'm I'm all about learning new things. Okay. And then after that, we might have to uh, we might have to recruit you back into the beer mile. <gasps> ready? You ready for that? I'm ready? Because the beer mile comes around in May, and we know, know st- and we I'm... know you have beer chugging skills. <laughs> Happy to steal Jonathan's spot. <laughs> Happy. Who? Jon- oh yeah, you know that guy. I don't. Oh, not familiar. Name's okay. ringing a bell. I don't. <laughs> Shout out to my homie. He's texting me. He's actually watching us right now. Oh, good, good. <laughs> Who again? Anyway. Brand. So that's all going on. I'll be on the lookout for that. And I know the hype is building for the Carolina Hurricanes in the playoffs. Uh, just like, I, I guess there's hype for the draft can only be sustained for so long, Candace. This is true. But I have a question for you. Yeah. Are the Canes now, like, I remember the, the days when the Canes were not even relevant. Playoffs weren't even a thing. But now yeah. that it's more so consistent, is it like, okay, if we don't get a Stanley Cup soon, are we starting to reevaluate? Oh, yeah. Butts are tight. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of stressing right now with the Carolina Hurricanes. <laughs> I mean, they're going to win the division. Sure. Yet people are still like, yeah, but. Mm. Yeah, but. Look at the Bruins. But, like, remember when we were nothing? And so now, like, the expectations have shifted. So yesterday, uh, since you brought this up, and I think this ties into the Carolina Panthers as well, okay? Because that's the funny thing about North Carolina sports outside of Duke and North Carolina, models of consistency in basketball. Right. All right? And it helps that you've had Hall of Fame coaches the entire time. <laughs> you had Hall of Fame coach Mike Shetsky for 40 years. Yeah. And Carolina had two Hall of Fame coaches for the majority of this time. Yes. Uh, with a grand total of, what, five national championships between the two. So, yeah, we get a little spoiled with triangle basketball. Totally get that. Yeah. But professional sports-wise, things have been a little bit different yes. okay so the carolina hurricanes have now made it to the playoffs and been a great team for five straight years no drama about the playoffs they're in yeah. as gold pointed out on twitter when they clinched over the weekend that from 1998 through 2018 for 20 years they made the playoffs five times <laughs> but you know what happened in those five times yeah they went to two stanley cups they won one of them another time they went on a crazy run and made it to the eastern conference finals that was 2009 right Carolina Panthers, right? Carolina Panthers playoff history sucks. <laughs> like straight up, it sucks. Yeah. However, there's two really incredible seasons mixed in that got to Super Bowls. Yes. I mean, Jake Delhomme is a legend for a reason. Yes. All right. And shout out to Jake Delhomme who made his time available for me to talk about his time in NFL Europe. Mm. Uh, for a brief history of triangle sports on the World League of American Football. That was the first Super Bowl. That was the first game I've ever cried. Was the first Super Bowl? Yes. Oh, man. When he kicked that kick, I cried. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. never cried at a sporting event. I was like, I this is my John be a Casey, psycho- what you yeah. doing? Why are you, set, why are you setting it up for Vinatieri like that, man? Come on now. 
So I'm with you on that. Yeah. And I couldn't tell you the last time I was that invested in an NFL season yeah. quite the way I was with Cam Newton's MVP Super Bowl 50 run. All right. That was every Sunday. I was like, I don't care what's going on. I am watching yeah. this game. I am dabbing. I got all that stuff, right? But in betweens, not great for the Panthers. But you take those two runs, right? So here are the Carolina Panthers again. And they're trying to generate as much interest as possible. Last week they had it right. because of the pro days. Right. But now I feel like we're just making stuff out of thin air. <laughs> Who do you think the Panthers are going to draft? Uh, C.J. Stroud. I'm with you. Mm -hmm. I also think it's C.J. Stroud. Yeah. But you see, Candace, <laughs> that's not a good sports talk radio topic on what's today's date? March 28th. We still have a whole month. To go. So you're going to convince yourself that they're going to do Bryce Young by then. So we are. That's that's exactly <laughs> it. We got to talk about Bryce Young. This is what our friend Will Brinson did on CBS Sports. Dennis yeah. pointed out to me another mock draft. Now, you know my theory on mock drafts, right? right. They are adult male <laughs> fan fiction. <laughs> like, you know when you go to the supermarket and you see, like, the really sexy Renaissance yeah. Yeah. art on a book? Yeah. And that one guy with the long hair. Oh, yeah. It's Fabio. Yeah. And it's essentially smut. Yeah. Right? That's what mock drafts are for dudes of a certain demographic. Okay. All right? And it's like all breathless. Here's Will Brinson's 2023 mock draft. Lamar Jackson traded to Colts. Jordan Love gets wide receiver after Aaron Rodgers trade. Does that not sound like? Yeah. Like, I'm just hot and bothered just thinking about that. Like, whoo! You're probably you're probably one of the guys in the basement who's just like, oh my gosh, can't wait. Let me let me read the rest of these. I gotta read this. I gotta yeah. read this. Like, yeah. and I can. Will probably has like I usually button my Oxford up until the second to the second to last, right? Yeah. So I usually leave the top two done. Brinson's probably typing this up with four buttons unbuttoned. Okay, just Showing letting that hamburger meat. Just yeah, letting yeah. that chest here out. Like, yes, here's what's happening. All mock seven rounds. All all oh yeah. They only bottom draft? two buttons buttoned. Oh. Candace, Candace. Yes. It's a fantasy, so of course he's going seven rounds. Chapter by chapter. All right. Yeah. You may even did an eighth round. He actually probably did unrestricted free agents. Most or of us. Undrafted free agents. Yeah, that's true. Most of us are lucky to go one round. He wants to go all seven, okay? So he's hydrated. <laughs> so here is. Ooh, Jesus here's Will us. Brinson's mock draft <laughs> with Bryce Young. Mm. Panthers didn't trade up to the number one spot hoping to figure out which quarterback they wanted. Maybe they were hoping to really fall in love with a Will Levis type. Don't think it's out of the question, but David Tepper lacks patience and Bryce Young has the highest floor of this group. So despite C.J. Stroud's betting market, I'll pencil him in, I'll pencil him in here as a first overall pick. Mm. Have you looked at Bryce Young? Yes. Does he look like, not height, frame? That's my concern with Bryce Young. Yeah. And I also think, based on everything that Frank Reich has said, the head coach of the Panthers, C.J. Stroud fits what they want. Yeah. He's Bryce more, is a little slender. He's a little slender, but C.J. Stroud is more of the, the passer, the arm. He can run. I think that's one of the more underutilized aspects of his game. Mm -hmm. But Frank Reich doesn't want that because Frank Reich's been straight up talking to you about what he likes in a quarterback, which screams well, C.J. Stroud. Yeah. Well, I also think he wants like the as close to not version of Cam so we don't have a second coming or any type of which comparison. Is, which is why the Anthony Richards thing. Yeah. Anthony Richardson thing cracks me up. Absolutely not. Like, there is no chance no. that is going to be the case. But there are some truthers out there that believe 
he is the answer. Well, Cam Newton said he's better than 32 of these jokers. So, like, well, could there be a re- could he be a mentor to CJ? The, no. Okay. No. All right. I mean, I don't. Maybe Cam could, but unfortunately for Cam, when he goes in the locker room, he easily becomes the most popular guy in the locker room. People mm. like Cam, and that ends up being the problem. That wouldn't be good for CJ. Probably not. Okay. Probably not. When Cam enters places, look, it was actually one of the most self-aware things Cam Newton ever said to his dad on a YouTube interview. It was, one of the, it was a strange interview <laughs> where his dad interviewed him. Yeah. And even his dad called him out, but I believe Cam being self-aware that, yeah, the problem with me is that I'm me. Mm. And when I come into it, why do you think, why do you think Steve Smith and Cam Newton get along? Commanding presence. Right. Yeah, only, there can be one alpha male in the Only room. one. Yeah. Only one, okay? And Steve Smith <laughs> thought he had the territory claimed, but unfortunately for him, that was not the case. Right. But apparently, Will Brins is not the only one who's out here talking about Bryce Young being the top pick. Here's Mike Tannenbaum, who's on TV for a reason, talking about Bryce Young. The draft. He is a playmaker. He is a guy that, when you look at his body of work over the last three years— over 80 touchdowns, only 12 interceptions. I think he's a better athlete than people give him credit for. He has great anticipation. It was razor thin over C.J. Stroud. I just thought Bryce Young at the end of the day, guys, made more plays with his feet. There you go. There's uh, Mike Tannenbaum. But the, the more plays with his feet part, it's ironic that we've gotten to this point where that's an okay thing now. We yeah. want that now. It used to be you didn't want that. Cam Newton, no, can't have that. Right, right. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure C.J. Stroud can. I mean, we saw it against Absolutely. Georgia. Absolutely. What am I missing here? Not a thing. It's, okay. It's it's March, and we need something to do. So I'm falling for it. You're falling. Don't let it get to you. I I felt. You know what? You're right. I fell for you it. You about to start convincing yourself that Bryce might be the guy. I, mean, I by the end of this, you might start saying we'll leave it, and I could make that case for North Carolina. So yeah. Hey, look. If I read enough of this fan fiction, <laughs> I'll start believing anything. <laughs> the OG. Jillio's not here today. No big deal. I call my friends like Matt Norlander, CBS Sports, I on College Basketball, joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. Matt, what's up, man? It's you know what? Uh, it's it's busy as ever, but this is my last uh, last day at home before flying to Houston on Wednesday. Um, Carousel starting to slow down. We're getting yeah. ready for intriguing final four and uh, and I'm ready for it, man. About that final four. Yeah. Are you still kind of processing what the hell we just saw and what we're about to witness in this final four? Uh, you know, on a certain level, yes. Um, and it has been a thing, and I don't know if you plan on asking me about this. I'm ready to talk about it, but I'll tee you up just in case. And if not, we can move on. This is why you're uh, a professional. I, I, don't, I don't care if the final four isn't made for an, uh, 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 the best possible national audience and television rating. I okay. love this sport. I love covering it. I will take any final four and any combination you give me because there are always interesting things about the teams that get there. I'm not ignoring the fact that last year's final four wasn't way more made for a mainstream audience than this one. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, I think it's really cool, really compelling. And the fact that any of these four teams can actually win the whole thing is super intriguing. And so I'm, I'm ready for it personally. Yeah, I, I'm with you on this. I, I think we can use this forum. And I don't know if you want to bring this up on your national platform in the future, but uh, those people are dorks. 
I, re- I really don't know how else to put it. Uh, if you're worried about, I, I look at television ratings not as a singular thing. I look at television ratings holistically throughout the course of the season, and based on every metric, college basketball ratings have actually been pretty darn good this year. Right. Uh, I look at it from the perspective of the ACC, despite the fact that we don't have Roy Williams at North Carolina, we don't have Mike Shevsky at Duke, and Carolina was down, and Duke was kind of under the radar most of the season uh, for for obvious reasons that we don't need to rehash. Duke was part of some of the biggest broadcasts on ESPN this year, right? Including that Duke Carolina game. So I don't, I look at it holistically engagement with college basketball. And I'm sure, uh, you know, these numbers, I'm sure that I on college basketball podcast numbers and YouTube numbers are pretty good this year. Yes. Uh, I know our engagement. Yes. I mean, yes. I, I can't, I can't give away too much, but our, our ratings here locally, pretty darn good January, February and March. So, this idea that, well, the final four won't whatever. It's like, I don't know, man. It's like CBS cutting you a check. Like I know they're cutting you a check, but they ain't cutting me a check. Same thing goes with like the scalpers. Shout out to Darren Ravel. Like, Oh wow. You know, ticket sales are like, who cares about the scalpers? I don't care about the secondary market. That's with this stuff. It doesn't have one impact on my enjoyment of of watching and covering the stuff. I don't know. It's absolutely not. And the other thing too, and the other reason why I, I kind of enjoy this final four upsets are the feature not a bug of an NCAA tournament. So I think it's good that every so often we get these kind of weird Final Fours, like we're going to get right now with, you know, the South Florida Special, FAU, which I grew up literally across the street from back in the day. Miami, the school that my dad went to, suddenly he finds himself a basketball fan because it's not like football is doing anything. I think it's all great, and we're going to have something new in this Final Four. I love it, and I'm sure you love it too. I do. And yes, it is South Florida special. It's the first time any team from South Florida has played on the national semifinal stage Mm -hmm. in D1 hoops. And yeah, you got you. And you also do have a major brand like UConn. It wouldn't it's not top 10, but UConn, I think, is easily top 15, top 20 for sure across college basketball. So you do have that. Dan Hurley is a familiar name. Uh, Jim Laranaga is also a familiar name, you know, 16 years after he he did it uh, or 17 years, excuse me, after he did it with with George Mason. Now he's back as well. FAU is just represents uh, the the unique ability of of what college football cannot provide you, uh, right. and it doesn't it doesn't need to be something that happens every year. But I will also remind folks that we are now ten straight years that a seven seed or worse has made the Final Four. Okay, this continues to happen. Now it's different this year because you've got three programs that have never been there. FAU didn't exist until '88. wasn't D one until the '90s. We know Miami didn't even have a program for fifteen years. So you've never had this, but we have had a party crasher, so to speak. Every like this has become part of it. If you want to say that, um, you know, well, yeah, but last year had all these. I get it. Let's you know what? It's great for this is this is the past two years are college basketball. You had the blue blood final four a year ago and you had Kansas beating Carolina. You had the greatest matchup between Duke and Carolina ever. And then they send K home again. You had that. And now you have this. It is a, a drastic turnaround. But even still, you have if not a blue blood, you have as close a new blood, blue blood as pl- close as you could possibly get because UConn has more titles than anyone since 99 and they're back on this stage about UConn I'll ask you this question since Jillio is not here Matt Norlander CBS Sports hanging out with us here on the OG Ion College Basketball Podcast would you rather from 99 until now would you rather have UConn's 25 years or would you rather be Duke of Carolina or Kansas or Kentucky I mean they, they could win five national championships in this span it's been an adventure to get to these potential five national championships. But would you take what they're doing over what, say, Duke and Carolina have done? 
I would take Carolina. So let's do each one. I would take okay. Carolina. Now we're going since '99. Since '99, not all time, just since '99. I would take Carolina narrowly, narrowly, mm-hmm. narrowly. Now, because Carolina is you, first of all, you got Doherty in there. But then you get Roy, and you get three national titles. You get another title game. And you are top 10 good in most years. UConn yeah. has had some down years and existed in the American Athletic Conference. And it won actually one title while it was there, but there was some irrelevance there. Yes. Uh, Duke won. Uh, so it won one in 01, and then it won again in 10 and 15. So Duke equals it with three. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be Duke than UConn. Uh, again, it's close, but I, I think it's just uh, you'd rather be Duke than UConn in that stretch. Yeah. Even though you don't have as many national titles. There's a sustainability to it. You're getting the tournament every single year. Yes. Let's keep going. I would rather be UConn than Kentucky. Kentucky has one national title, and it had the Gillespie era. Um, it did have some big runs, and it has been good. It had some huge recruiting wins. But yeah. on balance right now, I would take UConn's run since 99 over Kentucky. This conveniently cuts off at 99. Kentucky won the 98 title, was in the 97 championship game, and 96 title. If you start from 96, obviously right. it is Kentucky. But if right. we're going from 99 – I would take UConn. And then the last one, I know you mentioned Kansas. I would take Kansas. You have won a conference championship almost every single year. You have won two national championships. There has been major March heartbreak, but your program is rated in the top 10 more frequently than any other program in the, in the country. So mm-hmm. give me Duke, Carolina, Kansas over UConn. But I think that is it. Overall, over across a 24-year span here, I think UConn falls fourth overall in di- desirability. Yeah, Gilio, Gilio basically came at it from the perspective of a guy who went to NC State, just like I went to NC State. And 99% of college basketball programs would absolutely trade what UConn's been through, both the ups and the downs, post-Jim Kelly and everything else, that time in the, in the American Athletic Conference. Every single time they'll take it because – I mean, you could make the argument NC State sold everything for the 83, and they're still living off it today. So you'll yeah. deal with the ups and downs. There's only a handful of that, that could deal with this. Matt Norlander joining us, CBS Sports. All right, I want to go back to a conversation that we had in the middle of the season where we got – we had a – you know why? You know why I texted you? Know. You know this. So when we when – we, I think this conversation took place in January or early February, and this was after you – you went on this tweet barrage about how the Mountain West has surpassed the ACC it was in one Ken tweet. Palm. No barrage. One no, tweet. No, it was, a, it was a total tweet thread. You had the little okay. emoji. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> My point is, and then I heard the Ion College basketball conversation. He was like, I'm just stating facts. I'm like, okay, got it. Got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But here we are with more facts. And, and we have another. Team final four. That's right. No, Joe cool, Ovias. cool, cool, cool. But this is yet another year where the ACC has been discussed and like, shoot, ah, they're down, this and that. Yet another team in the Final Four. What is this now? Five different ACC squads have made the Final Four. Uh, I think what since 2016. You've got Syracuse. You've got Virginia, who's won it. You've got Duke, obviously. You've got Carolina, now Miami. Duke is Duke. It, certainly Duke is Duke. So I feel like we're once again having this conversation of – what is the regular season worth and what is March worth? How much value do you put into the random chaos generator that is the NCAA tournament based on your ability to coach and your uh, strength as a conference versus what takes place in the regular season? So in any way, shape, or form, now that we know what's gone on with the ACC, regardless of regular season, have you changed your opinion on this at all? Do you give the ACC any value? For what they've I, done, I, I do. But let me turn this back on. Did the ACC have a good NCAA tournament? 
Duke did okay. Make, they had an okay against the tournament. Duke didn't make the second weekend. Virginia lost to Furman. Yeah. Credit to Pitt for getting a win in Dayton, and NC yeah. State was a one and done. Miami's there. Did the I'm gen, I'm not even trying to be snarky. I'm, I'm asking, did the ACC have a good NCAA tournament? Uh, I would say they had an okay NCAA tournament. It was just okay. But again, I, I there's one team from the ACC in the Final Four. But it's Miami. It's not the team that you traditionally pick, which I'm guess I'll flip it back on you. If Duke were back in the Final Four, would we be talking about it differently? Probably a little bit, but this speaks to the overall issue. The ACC still ranks seventh at Ken Palm. It's behind the Mountain West. If the ACC was a better conference and had a better season, it wouldn't have to rely on the likes of two 11 seeds and wouldn't have only had five teams get into the field. If you get yeah. six or seven in and you have, instead of your best teams beating seeded four, five, and five, and you had a two, a three, a five, a six, an eight, a 10, and a 12, your chances of actually performing better would have been better. So it is a reflection on the ACC having a down season. But in March, when people care most, yes, you have Miami getting through the number one team in the conference. Oh, by the way, mm -hmm. and 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 I think that's a wonderful thing. And I think Miami can win the national championship. Larinaga has done what I think should get him eventually into the Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame. You take oh, I agree with you and Miami to the Final Four. That is yeah. outrageous. So completely um, agree with you. So I'm going to ask you this though: Don't you think what's really going on here? To me, I think it's a larger issue, and I know I have to get you, and i got to go to the break, too, and this might have to be its own separate conversation, but I wanted to plant this seed. Okay. It's incredibly difficult to watch and discuss college basketball on a national level. There's too many games. There's too many teams, okay? So what ends up happening is you rely on what the numbers are spit out, and then you base it on, well— like, I like Ohio State as a prime example of this. Ohio State was considered a good win for North Carolina for a good chunk of the season based on what the Ken Palm number was. But then when you actually looked at their record, they weren't even a 500 team, and they were getting blasted in their own conference. So we just look at a number without giving it much thought or context because, again, I'm not accusing anybody of being lazy. I'm just saying it's really hard to watch college basketball on a national level. It's an incredibly hard job for you, and you do, do a wonderful job of it, but I know you can't physically watch everybody play. So I think there's a reliance on the numbers, which then gets me to a larger point. Why should we be giving credit to conferences that know how to manipulate the schedules and the math? Because at a certain point, the data is accurate, uh, or at least as accurate as we've ever had. And there are multiple okay. sources of that. And it's not just Ken Palm, even though that gets referenced the most. And it's not just the net, even though that gets referenced the most. Like, we've reached a point in college basketball, and I think this is a good thing, where you have a variety and a litany of of metrics that evaluate team performance. And at mm -hmm. a certain point, when you have enough data points um, – to your like i i think that is reliable information to use in reference and not use as a crutch those are two different things watching the games matters and i do put a premium on that by the way i just think that you cannot the human eye cannot physically to your point actually There's watch no all these games you cannot do it so you need the responsible thing to do if you're covering this or if you just want to be involved as a fan is to rely on um your evan miyakawa's and your bart torvik's and your ken palms and your massey mm -hmm. ratings and the net and all the all of this stuff is strength the record i i happen to think that is right now w w the conferences gaming that is a half yes half no because the teams actually didn't have to go and perform remember the schedule get done in advance you actually sure. schools get burned on this as well there are schools that will schedule certain ways and then those teams aren't as good and then they wind up they wind up getting burned on it so to a certain point your question slash commentary, I think, holds some water. But um, 
I, I will not sh- shove off my belief that what you do on November 20th should matter just as much as what you do on March 2nd. Okay. Resumes have to matter. Yeah. Um, while yes, you can be playing better on March 2nd than November 20th. Yeah. Um, I think it will be the worst thing for college basketball to actually dilute and reduce what those games mean from a resume perspective. When we evaluate these teams, I think, I think we have to push the schedule back in terms of how we evaluate teams because with transfers, um, rosters changing a over completely. A real thing, you don't, yeah. you don't really know what a team is. It used to be starting January. You'd start to get an idea of what your team is. Now I would say it's about middle of February and we're penalizing teams for having lost or won too early, but that's a separate conversation for another day. You have a TV hit that you have to worry about. You know, the people who actually pay your bills. Before so I, I pre- do this TV hit for your listeners. Yes. Is there a, is there an album? You, I see Listen every year. Once like January hits, I just, I catch up after the season, but is there an album that I need to listen to on my flight to Houston that has come out in the past two months that you are aware of? Uh, two, al- two albums. I would, I would uh, recommend there's the Eve's tumor, uh, okay. which the Eve, the new Eve's Eve's tumor album, uh, 14 year old me in 1993, 1994 timeframe would have consumed this all the time. Like it would have been on repeat. Okay. Uh, from uh, from the '90s, it's really experimental. Some glam in there. I really like it. Uh, it's good. Uh, good rock record. And then if, on more on the R&B Sonics side, uh, the new Kalela album is really good too. So okay. I would I would suggest those two, Matt. Okay. All right, we are on it. Um, I will not see you in Houston. Houston, Miami's not going to get you out to H-Town? No, man. We're going to be at the Durham Bulls Athletic Park for opening day. That's what we're going to be doing this weekend. Minor League Baseball, baby. Get with the Bulls. Got my satin jacket and everything. Matt Norlander, CBS Sports, Ion College Basketball. We appreciate it as always. We'll talk to you later, man. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate you.